Brian Littlejohn from Fat Kiss of Chicago Lore. Oh. Big John. Little John, I mean. That would be me. How you doing, brother? I'm all right, man. Hey, thanks for agreeing to this ambush. I know we tried it once before before I understood what a podcast was, and we did an ill-fated little hangout, though I, I treasure it, uh, though the audio was pretty grim. So thanks for giving me a second shot, bro. No problem. So when I ambushed you this afternoon, it's Saturday afternoon, you know, a lot of people are watching football, but you're watching a Marlon Brando movie, yeah? Yeah, the wild one. And as you explained to me, that's where the quote is, like, what are you rebelling against? What's the, what's the lead in? What do you got? Exactly. So I'm wondering, you know, if there's no coincidences, as Einstein once said, he said coincidences were God's way of remaining anonymous. And I'm not saying that this is a biblical call, though it is historic. Uh, I am wondering, you know, how might you relate your love with Kiss with a decision today, uh, you know, in the heat of what's going on without getting political, uh, to put on the movie that you're watching? You know, it's weird because, I mean, it's not really has anything to do with anything political for me whatsoever because I don't really dwell into that area too much. Sure. It's just to kind of get my mind on the whole mindset of the biker lifestyle, which I like to live, Harley Davidson, like motorcycles, you know, um, it's it's everything. It's not one side or the other. So how, but, how does that relate yeah, to your love of kiss, I guess? That, I knew someone was going to go. Oh, fuck, Jackson Brown and Cat Stevens and all those guys when they or or. Uh, well, in this day and age, whether you're on one side or the other, someone's gonna fucking throw stones at you. Right. You know? So yeah, so. Like I said, I go to a rock concert to forget about things during the day. I don't want to go there and you know listen to someone preach. Get fuck out of here. Unless it's about you know let's rock out. Preach to me about rock. You know the church of fucking the Kiss Army. So before we delve into your history, I have to ask, did you uh, tune in or see any of the Kiss Dubai show on New Year's Eve? The only thing I caught was the fireworks display, which I heard was some kind of world record. You know, I don't work for Guinness. I know if you're surprised by that. <laughs> no. No, I mean, I, I read it. Yeah. I read it was some kind of world record for... So, so let me ask you just... So let's just step back here. Just, you know, pretend we're in a little radio studio together. So you heard, you obviously knew they were playing on New Year's. Um, Was there any consideration, uh, you know, COVID aside, was there any consideration of buying the feed or, you know, so where, you know, you're... hardcore Kiss fan. I mean, you actually don the paint and play in a Kiss cover band called Fat Kiss. And what were your thoughts when you heard it? And just, and I'll shut up now. No, well, my, my thing is that 
the way music is distributed today, and especially with a band as large as Kiss, uh-huh. um, good or bad, I'll eventually see that whole concert anyway. Right, that's what I thought. You know what I mean? Whether it be excerpts of it or things they release later on or, you, you know what I mean? It's... So who do you who do you think that they're who do you think that they were fifty bucks for a one time feed or something I don't know what it was right it was forty bucks so why why um do you, do you think that that was for the Kiss audience for or for a new audience like taking that spotlight of New Year's Eve um it's weird because you say about New Year's Eve it, it, something about New Year's Eve playing on New Year's Eve. Is, is awesome, and it's weird that you mention that because, you know, in my mind, this is the first New Year's Eve in eight years that we didn't have a show. Me too. <laughs> so that was always a huge night for us. Sure, every every bar for a lot of people, and to give them something to do that's cool on New Year's Eve. So you, know, you were you were cool with it, right? You know, but then you got to think about too. Dubai's known for their money, man. I mean, it, it, it must have, you know, cost a, a fortune to put the production on. Not that they're worried about that at all, but, you know, if you do it in Dubai, you probably got the audience to, to go. I don't know. Well, John, you know... know the if, of COVID out in Dubai. Well, if you just kick the math around a little bit, right? Like, if it's 40 bucks a head, you know, for the, for the general package... No, but that's worldwide. I know, but what's really what cool? At the show, was were there people at the show? Oh no! Well, you know there were, you know there the were. Well, well, here's the crazy thing: if you paid twenty five grand, <laughs> you could stay there that weekend, and of course, you know maybe like make make uh, omelets with Paul, um, and of course, and people were watching it from their rooms because they could only be so close because of all the rules. But I guess what I'm wondering is. You know, it seemed to me in a weird way like the most useless concert in the world. But at the same time, you got to give Kiss credit for always making the play like nobody else thought to do that and take that space. It mind, it blows my mind. Right. Yeah, which just goes to show that, you know, they're even at 70s, they're still out there rocking and doing what they do. You know what I mean? Go to the Kiss Kitchen? No, no, I mean, you mentioned Paul in the kitchen and cooking, and I've seen a lot of that lately, too. And people always have things to say to me because hey, you're in fat Kiss, you like to eat. What do you think of Paul Finney's cooking? Well, that's what kind of sucks, right? When you're a Kiss fan, it's like, no, you don't understand. I'm a fan of X, Y, or Z. I'm not necessarily into this. And of course, people are making the joke that. You know, not only do we have two robots in the band, like from the Phantom, you know, Kiss Meets the Phantom, but they were also, I don't know if you know this, Little John, but their lyrics were uh, reviewed by Dubai, and they Gene changed the lyrics to God of Thunder. Otherwise, he would have had, you know, his head cut off. Yeah, because you can't say something like that, right? He was supposed to say, you know, your virgin soul, and he said your sacred soul. Oh, yeah, because you can't say anything about... I thought thought maybe you had to change the word God. Well, you know what? I'm not... not, You know what? I'm not... No, they didn't. (laughs) They didn't do that. But, um... Is it Alan Summers? That'd be funny. That would be funny, right? Right. (laughs) I love thunder. It sounds like I love thunder. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would work. Yeah. That would work. What would the second part be, you know? Like, I'm standing away. Well, that's what's the weird thing. I thought he said, for your sacred coal. Coal. Like, in other words, you know, oil. Right, it could be. No, but he did. I, I don't know. I've got it. You know what? See, here's the thing, though. Like, I'm sure that Gene has some sort of ties to that part of the country. Do you think? Mm. 
you know, the first time I met you, you were hosting Rush Hour at Livewire, which was yeah. at five o'clock. Oh, it was an hour of Rush. And the yeah. day I was there, it was just you and me. You gotta put that in there. Between five and six. Yeah, it was Rush Hour. But the best part about it was. For Rush Hour. The best part was, John, that was like one of my first times in there. And um, and the bartenderess really didn't like Rush, and she was like waiting for Rush Hour to be over. <laughs> and then the owner, Dave, got there, and he was testing out this new system, and he put on uh, Tom Sawyer uh, right around 6 o'clock through the whole system, and it was only four of us at the time because it had just started, I guess, and, uh, you know, the first rush hour. And and then he declared to nobody but us that rush hour was being continued one more hour. And I remember the bartenders being upset and us ready to play some more air drums. Right, and uh, to, you know, put it out there, too, because people are listening, when you say system, you, you know, we mean the whole PA system for the whole bar, not just a, a stereo, because the bar has bands, live music and all that, so I just want to make sure that's clear. It was the best and I'd ever heard it. You know, he ran it through the, the 32-track monitors and, yeah. you know, all, all that shit. Yeah, dude, that was the best I'd heard it since my first concert. We're about to get into your history, but my first concert was actually Signals Rush at Rosemont. Yeah, I saw I saw the, I saw Rollerbones. You saw what? Whatever that was. Well, the, the, the album where they had Rollerbones or whatever that was on it. Well, that's a little later. I was, you know, when they first went, um, you know, when you know subdivisions. They went new wave oh, I briefly. Love that John. This is I. So, before I rudely interrupted you, you were saying your brother was a fan before you, and in like 78, your first exposure to the band was uh, seeing and perhaps hearing a live two. Just a live two, yeah, for sure. That was it. What do you remember thinking? All I remember is side two or side one, whatever the first song where the opening riff for I Stole Your Love came on, and it was just blew my mind. I was like, I mean, you can't listen to that opening riff without going, yes, this is gonna rock. Such a great riff. Yeah, it really is. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so, did, was it was it the visual first, or was it literally hearing it first? No, I mean, like as you recall. It. I mean, well, we're we're kind of poor kids, so to speak. So, like, we wouldn't see Kiss on TV unless it, you know it was on some kind of special or something, you know. It's your hit single. So let me. It's our signature song. <laughs> you're right. The thing is that unless you're really a Kiss fan, there's some things that you'll do, and the normal audience just won't, won't know it. Ever. Right. So even a Kiss cover band. Go to a bar band and, and listen to you know 
deep cut. You know what I mean? Right. So even a, even a, even a, even you in a Kiss cover band can relate to Gene and Paul having to please the masses. Right. Right. You know. I mean, obviously they didn't want to play the the same. I mean, seven songs over and over, whatever that was. But you know, as their their, their shows became one and two and three hour, whatever the fuck they were doing. Right. You know, these, you know, hundreds of shows on the road in a row. You know, there's only so many times you could play Detroit Rock City. Right, right. You know, it's weird because if you watch every interview or listen to or talk to or writings, the majority of them automatically say that's their favorite song to play. Oh, the Kiss, uh, Detroit Rock City? Right. Yeah, it, it's very, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's like... It comes to mind first. Yeah, it's like, uh, it has a built-in visual... And it's very sort of, it's very cinemagraphic and it's like layout, right? Like, thanks to Bob Ezrin. Right. What really struck me about that, even as a young kid, I mean, I was nine years old. Wow. And um, was the double guitar lead. You know, I just, I just really love that. Oh, instead of just ace wailing, it was more of a constructed double lead between ace and Paul, so... Yeah, and to Ace's credit, he says that the best lead on a Kiss song is that, and he said that, you know, but it was written by Bob Ezra. <laughs> yeah, well, the other thing, too, is that I didn't know what my brother was telling me is that, you know, when you really listen to the lyrics, it's a story. Absolutely. It's a fake yeah. story. I think it's a, you know, they, they pretend that it was a story they heard about somebody on the way to the Kiss concert who got killed. But you know, it was, I believe that some of the lyrics, maybe I got this wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of Tomorrow and Tonight, but uh, Kim Fowler, who co-wrote uh, Do You Love Me, you know, sort of brought a sophistication to them, and I, I wonder if he was involved. But So let me, let me ask what happens after that. So you, you hear that album, you're looking at the pictures. Did you, you know, did you have an immediate... Uh, Favorite and what was your next step as a as a Kiss fan? Well, like you mentioned, I think you know, uh, you know, now now you're hooked. So you've got uh, you know, Kiss Kiss first of Phantom. I think um, uh, Platinum came out around then or something. Yeah. Um, and this is, I'm just going from memory. I don't know. I'm looking at. Uh, right, you're like, you know, that's why it was back then. You know, you didn't have the web. You like saw what was in front of you in the record store. Right. And, and if it had, if it had, show. if it had fucking a, like it. You know, uh, rock and roll me over, you know, or you, know, you start digging back a little bit. You're like, well, what was the first one? You know. So what did you so, do after Kiss Alive Two? Yeah, with the, you know, because you're, you're figuring out now I'm ten, eleven. Yeah. So you don't really have any money, but you, you used to go to the record store and <laughs> kind of look through the Kiss, you know, aisle. Yeah. So you know, it's like you know, it was good. Go, go to K because no one's over there, you know. So motherfucker, what is your first purchase? You know that's. That's really weird because I think it would have to be one of their solo albums. I think it was probably Gene Simmons' solo album. Wow, so you were drawn to Gene first. That's what I'm trying to pull out of you, my man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How could you not be? As a kid, everybody wanted to be Gene. He was the demon. He was the... Spit yeah, but that's 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 yeah. where we that's where yeah. that's that's why it worked, brother. Because not everybody did want to be the gene, the demon. I wanted to be Ace. I never wanted to be Paul, and I wanted to be Peter. But of course, you fell into the gene zone, and yet you play uh, Stanley Paul. Right. When you, how would you? Uh, do you ever criticize? Yeah, do you ever criticize Stan Pauly? Do you ever criticize the Gene in your band? Do you ever want to be Gene instead of Paul? Um, the only time I did that is when it came to the theatrics. You know, uh, the guy that was formerly in our band as that part didn't want to spit blood all over himself. I mean, when Gene really did the blood thing, yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, 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 a theatrical, you know, you know, like Jaws was coming at first, and then slow trickle, and then full on 
bloody mouth. It's not like one stream. It's he had a mouthful, man. It's you know, it's on his chest, in his mouth, he's spitting it out. And I was like, that's what you want to see. You know, I mean, if you're gonna do that, that stick, do it. Since you've actually donned the paint, do you know who, you know, there's a writer named Chuck Klosterman who's written some wonderful books on rock and roll, and he grew up into Kiss, and he admitted on this interview with uh, Three Sides of the Coin, the preeminent Kiss fan podcast, I must say, I'm a big fan, and he said that, um, you know, over the years, he was so into Kiss with the solo albums and, like, you know, he started in the 80s, but he dug back. Then he actually, like, categorizes his girlfriends, not intentionally, but finds him putting each of them in one basket, either, you know, personality, Peter, Ace, Paul, or Gene. Have you had this similar problem uh, since you've done the makeup? Good answer. You know, just the thing, because I don't really look at women like, oh, you'd be one of them in the band, as far as of course personality. Not. But, like I, like I said, being that character that Paul does, the star child character, women are naturally drawn to it. I mean, it's just weird, because I've done shows where girls came up to me, specifically in the band, saying that, oh, I've always loved Paul the best. Because nothing about a little John's hot or I want to be with him it's that Paul fantasy yeah you know and, and we're, we you know we can we can get dig into the music if you want I, I had a list of questions right so you've given me sort of a background um, I'm going to ask you just the obvious questions but I think it's important for your fans and that is uh, favorite album you know, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, favorite Kiss album. You know, you're you're not going to get to hear anything else they ever did. I'm not talking about live versions. I'm talking about one album to survive the apocalypse. Yeah, that's really hard for me to say. I always tend to see the go to the, the Rock and Roll Me Over album. Rock and Roll Over. Right. I don't even have to say it right. I know you. Yeah, you you thinking, can't. I know. I'm worried about you. Because I think of uh, 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 Chuck Berry. You know, Rocco Roll 
now, can you tell me why? Is that like because of wh- when it came out in your life or when you discovered it? Or is it the sound? I think like, one, I discovered it. Two, it's got the, the greatest artwork, I think, for an album. Oh, cool. On the cover, you know, the, the yeah. four heads spin in a circle, but they all connect. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. It's just for something. It, it, it's hard to say because, you know, there's, like you said, there's periods of time and different songs make you think of different things when you think of Kiss, but, you know, I, that one always comes first to mind. Let me just... Well, let me ask you, John, did you hear that before you heard Love Gun? I would say no. I would say Love Gun probably came out of Destroyer. Wasn't that on... Well, you know, they did Destroyer. They did Destroyer, then Rock and Roll Over in the same year, and then Love Gun was the following year, and then Alive 2 and Double Platinum, and then the solo albums. Right, so it was right around there. I think it was either Destroyer, Destroyer before Love Gun that I figured out. But Love Gun is another favorite to sing live. So so your favorite album, and... um, Tell me about your first KISS concert. Wow, that, that'd be hard to say because I don't think I went to a concert, a live KISS concert, until after I was out of the Army. So it wouldn't be waiting until the 90s. Well, what was the show? Where was it? Where was it? What was the feeling? Uh, what? Where? Was it UIC? Was it Chicago? Was it... I think it was here in Chicago, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Well, I hope you can tell me the truth. It wasn't that long ago, dude. You know, I mean, uh, man, I don't, that's a hard one to say because I'm trying to think if I saw him in the 90s when I was in the Army somewhere on a Monsters of Rock. Maybe. I think we may have done a Monster of Rock in, when I was stationed in Europe. Well, this is why John, this is why Kistorian has taken lengths in recent months to secure a few paranormal experts. So sometimes when we can't get the answers we need, we'll set up a brief sort of session where they can do a deep dive with you and hypnotize you and see if you've been... <laughs> You don't know what fucking your first kiss concert was. You're about this no. this episode's almost over. Right. What? I can say you like I revoke your Kiss Army card, but I right. can tell you that there was one I saw. Most memorable one was when I saw him here in Chicago at like uh, there was some kind of three day event and Kiss played. And are you talking about at Villa Park with it? With they right before oh, they yeah. reunited, they they did a they did a convention and then they did a performance. No, it was like open air festival or something. Oh, uh, are you are you talking in the last five years? Are you talking like right. it was like recently? Oh, you're talking about out at Toyota Park. Toyota Park. Yeah, what did yeah. you think about that show? I thought they played too many songs that people didn't really know. I mean, when they're on, they're fucking on. Like you said, it. It's 40 years later, and you want to hear Detroit Rock City, you want to hear Love Gun, you want to hear Black Diamond, you know, you want to hear Strutter, and you have enough of that just to knock the doors off the place. But when you go into a deep cut from the 80s, and I'm not talking about Tears Are Falling or... Well, dude, they didn't do it. Uh, Listen, I'm going to... They did shit that I never even heard. uh, You're out of your mind, dude. That, That was a pretty standard set list. I mean, they may have done... They may have done one song you don't know, like from more recent albums, but... Oh, um, I don't know, man. I felt like it was... Well, let me ask you this. Were you on the floor? Awesome. Were you... De- that was a big show. There was Megadeth, Anthrax... Yeah, yeah it was huge. It was a huge day. Uh, so you were down on the floor, big uh, little John? Hey, I was in front. Yeah, I think Rob Zombie played that day, too. Oh, Rob Zombie, I thought... He blew it off the water. I thought he was awesome. I had no idea how great his band was. Right. And you know what? I left that going, man, I need to listen to more Rob Zombie. And when I went home, I didn't. Same here. Today, I should, so. 
same here. Uh, you know, John Five was awesome, but um, I guess I remember leaving there. You know, and thinking, you know, they sounded much better. I left early to get to my car, and it was like out of a movie. Outside, they launched into a long encore, which involved uh, cold gin. Oh, for you. So you're admitting that you left early, but you're gonna take my car. My car because I didn't own my first one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, burn, bro. I didn't leave. I didn't, I stayed the whole time. I was there alone. But check this out, dude. Yeah. Like you said, great fireworks, great stage, great sound, pro lights. You know, uh, jeans flying up in the air. You know, Paul on some kind of platform that they transfer them out over the audience. It's just think like you know, their shows are still beyond what any regular band would do. Is just stand there banging their head. So, I mean, I, I will always give Kiss that. I just felt like Paul had lost his voice and the conversation between songs was killing the energy, but that's what I felt. I was up in the cheap seats. Dude, he'll stand on some kind of wire that flew over the audience. Remember that? Yeah, I'm glad you're still impressed by that. <laughs> that's that's why I love there's you, bro. Wire you fly over the audience to a stage that was right in the middle. It was great. That's why I love you. So, um, so let me uh, ask you this: uh, playing guitar and and playing Kiss. Um, what's the hardest song? I think your brother plays drums, right? He does. What was the hardest song? And I'm not talking about your brother here, but what is you know Kiss songs are sort of you know pretty easily digestible, and that's why people love them. But what song is the hardest to play that you would think would be pretty easy that surprised you guys? That's what Gene says. Yeah, it's just, it's torture on your hands. It doesn't, I mean, the Paul part's not too bad because I get the whole, some full chords, but, you know, every once in a while, the other guy drops out of the, you know, that, da, 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 you know, that, the picking, I pick that up. You know, um, Black Diamond, there's, you know, the Kiss is weird in a way because, yeah, there's a lot of start and stop stuff that you gotta get tight. Uh -huh. Even in, you know, Cold Gen, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we, we wouldn't really think you would go with chords, and you do, and there's a lot of start and stop stuff, Parasite is like that. What I like is you're the only Kiss cover band I know where, you know, until the last time I saw you, there wasn't an ace, and you played all the solos, and I gotta say, I've seen so many uh, Kiss cover bands just online, and I've gone to see them, right? Your delivery of Strutter is the best. You know, it's weird that you say that because I play in a totally different key than it's written. I know you do. You guys are fucking crazy. And, you know, like a really hardcore Kiss fan could be like, you know, like some musico asshole. But it's right. really about the vibe. And when you guys play that song, it's like... Um, I mean, it's really dynamite. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, right. you're, you're, you're... My thing, too, is, like, I don't really say that we're, you know, like I said, I've never really said that we were, like, a tribute band or anything, because we don't play anything exact. That's the other thing, too, like, when you say I play some of the solos, it's like, you know, to me, Ace has always been a combination of a little bit of Chuck Berry, you know, a little bit of Hendrix, and then, you know, what Ace does. Uh, so right, so you play it, you play it as if Ace was, just joined your band. And did you know? Right. That's what I said about the hey, chick. I don't do note for note solos like that. I just go weird. You know what would you know? Sound, I mean, great, great, and some of those iconic solos you, you get as close as possible. But there's also a feeling that he had. Yeah, if you, you play know, in the, if you try to play shit note for note, it's not going to come out fresh every time. No, you that's what sucks. Them, you know? Yeah, you got to play sort of in the moment, and that's why people enjoy Ace, right? Is right. that, you know, what's he going to do wrong and what's he going to do right by mistake? <laughs> right. And so, when he do it again. 
Never. You know, the one thing that I, ne- I never did, though, that I wanted to do is say, you know, pull off the flaming guitar. That's something that burned into your mind, too, you know? It's just, you go and you, you see images of him rocking out, doing something himself, and all of a sudden the guitar, you know, he rocks out so much the guitar starts on fire. I gotta tell you something funny. One time when I, I went to, I dragged some friends to see him in St. Pete's Beach. Like, I don't know, 2010? We were out of our minds and it was outdoors and it was like sort of in this like atrium where there was a, it was kind of like the equivalent of Dubai, but like low budget. There was like a hotel there and people were on their balconies partying and stuff. And uh, at one point, Ace's guitar uh, or Ace's amp set on fire and it wasn't intentional. And they had to put it out, and everybody thought it was part of the show. But um, I forget where I was going, bro. I have I have other questions. Um, so let me ask you this: What does it feel like? Because I've been in an '80s cover band where I got to play, you know, a conglomeration of, of characters, and I could I when I'm now on stage without a wig and makeup and leather pants and all that. I still feel like a rock star, and it helped me get there. I'm wondering, you know, if that's helped you in terms of, uh, you know, freeing yourself up. Just come, you're, you're so comfortable on stage. I've seen you on stage in other in, incarnations. Right. You know, if that just sort of frees you up to like realize, like, people are just want to be entertained, and that's really why Kiss worked. It's like, Kiss was like, take it or leave it. If you think it's lame, leave. If you want to have fun, stay. Right, and you know, I got a funny story about that. Where, um, you know, well, well first I'll answer your question. Yeah, you do kind of feel like that whole star, especially in the, you know, in the costume. You know, I knew from get go right one because it all started as a joke anyway. You know, it was a, uh, huh. it was around Halloween. We dressed up like it. We went to an open mic. We said, well, what if we just go dress as Kiss and play a couple songs? It was like our Halloween costume. You know, and when, and when we played, I mean, there might have been five people, because usually at open mic, it's just some guy with a guitar, you know, singing what I call John Denver songs, you know? Uh-huh. You know, he's sitting up there with his acoustic guitar, and, you know, I wrote this song for my girl who left me 10 years ago, you know, and he had to sit through this open mic, but we thought, how cool would it be if we just showed up with amps and played a full-on band, you know, and, and you know, did deuce or something, you know? Uh-huh. And, and if there was five people in the bar, every single one of them had their camera out. So when we did shows, as it got bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, everywhere we went, people wanted to take pictures and film it. And, you know, it, it, so when you got stuff like that, we learned to actually take pictures before the show. Because after, you, you know, we're so heavy, we sweat off the makeup. You know, it's like, it, you know, to me too, you, you should be. You know what I mean? If you if you if you weren't dripping wet when you got off the show, then you didn't do kiss. Uh, uh, you know, you didn't. Right. If you should be, you should give it all you can. You know. With that said, sometimes it hurt, man. You know, I'm not a light guy, and I'm wearing seven inch heels. It's not it's not easy to walk like that, much less do a whole show. And then you're throw on top. I got to remember all the words because kiss fans are so. You know, Pimmy, you better at least fucking know the lyrics for a song if you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Slap the whips and all that. So you have all that going around in your mind. Uh, at the same time, you know, listen to everybody else in the band and see what the odds and I'm going to keep it entertained. So, you know, and sometimes it, you know, it hurt. Dude, I, I got to give you... Re- fuck, man. I was like, you know, this is starting to become a job. I got to give you respect because, you know, I, I did a covers band thing and I know it's hard work, we, you know, when we were actually successful. God, you know, watch what you wish for. You know, but the the crazy thing is, like, I think I know, my, you know, I, I think I could play Peter and I could do this and I could do that. But, you know, to get the balls to fucking step up there and fucking do it. And I was backstage with you guys, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, before COVID. So it would have been within the last, you know, year and a half. Yeah, it might have been Halloween. And you guys were getting serious and getting ready. And I was asking you questions and goofing with you. And you said, hey, man, you know, we're about to go on. We don't, you know, fuck off. (laughs) And I really appreciated that. It was like, 
we're getting serious here. You can laugh in our boots and try them on if you like. But we're about to go fucking do it. And I just think that is the ultimate, um, you know, uh, just kiss of love to the band. And then also to sort of walk in their shoes briefly to the extent that you realize like what works and what doesn't and uh, which songs work. But what I love about Fat Kiss is that you're not trying to regurgitate it. And that's why I also liked uh, Slutter was because, uh, you know, I said to the girl in Slutter, I forget her name, I said, you know, you're like Ace Fraley if he didn't practice for his first show with the band, (laughs) but you have an Ace Fraley style. And you have a sort of Paul Stanley style and Ace style. Uh, It's not easy to make Kiss work without another, a second guitar, and you do, man. I, I really appreciate it. Well, I want to, you know, let me, let me throw this in there, too, when we were talking about, you know, being in the boots and the, and the gear, and some people like it, some people don't. Um, we did a show, we got called, uh, we, we did, there's like sister bars, I, you know, I forget the name of the bars, but they had one on the north side and one on the south side. And we played the north side one, and it was, it was, you know, sold out, standing room only. There were people in the streets looking through the windows, <laughs> and, you know, they couldn't get enough of it. It was like in the middle of the summertime. So they're like, hey, can you play our Southside bar sometime? I'm like, yeah, sure, we'll check it out. And, and when I mean South, bro, it was like 190. Like Blue Island? I mean, it was Mount Carmel. It was far. Far, like, I didn't, I couldn't believe it was still Chicago. It was, I, I thought it was in Peoria. It was far. Yeah. You know, it was an hour and a half to get there. Anyway, it turns out that... There was supposed to be a Mumford and Sons band playing that night. <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> and this brings Fat Kiss. So we we go in there for our sound check, and it's a, it's a restaurant. It, it, it's people are sitting down and eating. And, you know, we kick in the love gun for a sound check. You know. And it was like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> you know? So we're like, if you don't like us now, wait till we go. To the we would always do the soundtrack then come back because you, know, you can't do all that gear around. And- well, it's sort of the restaurants say, let's wait till everybody's drunk and done with dinner? Oh, uh, we were just like, well, yeah, because we, we you do the soundtrack around dinner time, we're going to come back and do the show. I think at that, at that time, we'd be you know, around nine, from 9 to 11. <laughs> So, you know, when we come back and we're, you know, fast forward, so the first people are like, oh, God, man, listen to this while I eat my ribs, you know? You can see people, you know, steering a, a laser beam in you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, of course, that was only maybe 20 minutes of their time or something like that. But, you know, fast forward to the actual show. And I remember my, my mother did, came in from Florida and she's, you know, in her self, well, in her 70s and we had a bunch of friends from the south side there. So, you know, the, the, the front two or three rows of tables were filled with our friends. But in the front right was four guys from the south side that were there for the Mumford and Sons. And they couldn't have hated us more. Like, you could just see him going, you know, what the fuck is this? And he stays up between songs. Now, credit, I've always told myself, if you're a band and someone's going to heckle you or shout at you, then all you do is just rock harder so hard that you can't hear what they're saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? If, you're, if your music is so soft that you have to sit, you know, if someone can yell over it, then you shouldn't be out there anyway. You know, or you got to be prepared for people to say stuff. But long story short, these guys were getting angry that they wanted to fight us. <laughs> like, it was like, you know, my brother's a Chicago cop. We're all fucking 300 plus. Every person <laughs> the and Don't fuck with fat kiss. He wanted to fight us while we were on stage. So, I remember finally telling the dude to fuck off on the mic. You know, like, don't think that we can't take the boots off and just come out. Right, we're not, we're not what you think we are. Right. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I don't know if they were asked to leave or they just got up and stormed out, right? So they're, they're walking out the door, and the way this bar was set up, 
that we were playing in the front part of the bar facing the restaurant, but they had giant glass windows <laughs> facing the street. So one of the kids comes up and he's banging on the window and flipping me off. And I, you know, it was during, it might even be during, you know, I was made for loving you. <laughs> so I turn around and I, you know, I, I got my Iceman, the, the, the Paul Stanley uh, guitar, and I start stroking it like I'm, you know, stroking a giant cock right in his mouth, right? And suddenly I remember my mom's here. <laughs> Nobody got hurt. No, no, they left. There was no fight. No. Great. Actually, once people, those four left, it became a, a really different vibe and a great show, and everybody loved it. And we had people up on their feet and singing the songs. And, you know, even after that show, people, it was really weird because they kind of stood in line at the front of the stage to take pictures with us. Well, you know, it's funny, it's like, and you know. Let me tell you this, though. One girl asked to drink out of my boot. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You know what? You know what's funny is though, like as a club owner, when you realize what you've got, that's when the club owner should have walked up and said, "Hey, listen, we're gonna hit this at 10:15 <laughs> when everybody's had a couple drinks and is ready to get crazy." You know, uh, because that's you guys probably raised the drink, uh, the average uh, ring. You know, once you guys start, because you're there to have a good time. I'm looking for for Little John a State of the Kiss Union to close us out here. John, me and my brother were joking. We watched the entire Dubai show, and we said if we had put a Fitbit on Gene, he would have traveled across three kitchens at least twice. He did not move during the show. He can't move anymore. Because it's enough just to stand there and play. Yeah, and he played great. Just to stand for an hour, which much less three, plus you're walking around and all that doesn't care. Yep. You know, it, it, you, it is some sort of physical. What, do you, what would you like to see them do next? Compared to when they first came out and they had to run around and jump around, like if you look at all early stuff of Paul, it's ridiculous of what he would do in boots. Well, even, you know, John... Nothing down his knees and all that kind of stuff, but... John, even going back to 96, when, you know, they're all old men and reuniting, and you compare it to... Tommy and Eric with them, it's it's still way less festive. I guess I'm I'm wondering what you want to see them do. What would make you happy, like as they're sort of, you know, because they've got to step out of the light. They just sort of overextended it. Right. I don't know what's next. I'd like to see them cut a record for the fun of it, but. You know, I wouldn't think that would be completely off the table. Because obviously they all can still play. Right. You know, at some point, like you said, you got to pull the plug on the touring. At some point, you just got to enjoy your life and say, hey, we did it. And, you know, let's, you know, can concentrate on whatever they need to. I mean, I don't mind some of the TV appearances. I don't mind that, you know, like, all going off into the cooking side or, you know, Gene does whatever he does as a businessman or some sort of comic thing because the half his stuff is tongue-in-cheek anyway. Um, I'm sure both those, the other players that are in now can find work doing anything. Um, Thayer, sure. whatever his name is, you know, guitar player. Tommy Thayer. He's playing right, right, yeah. He could definitely find work doing anything. Um, 
And Eric Singer has already played. Just, Gene or Paul, uh, the only vision of that I can see is as a Vegas act. Uh, but do you think that 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 they could possibly like you know imagine them doing a, a show where they replace the members? Could Kiss continue as a major arena act, or is that just them being crazy? I wouldn't like to see it. I wouldn't say that that's impossible. Though. You don't think you need. You don't think you'd need like. You know what I mean. So there could be someone dressed as Gene, looks like Gene, talks like Gene, plays like Gene. You know, for me to say that that shouldn't happen, being in a cover band myself, would be impossible. Right, but I guess the question is whether you could play an arena and how many people would come to see you without it being the actual people. You know, whether it it works better. Even though if. For it to be an arena, we'd have to have that same production level of you know, the fireworks and the lights and the theatrics. Or maybe, or maybe holograms. Unless Kiss bagged it themselves, that anyone has the money to do that kind of stuff. No, it would be Kiss that would be behind it, but it's just something that they keep talking about, and I think it's... Yeah, I, don't, I don't think that... Uh, I really don't think that they're going to spend that kind of money to do it. doing this is there anything you want to say because literally i have over 35 countries listen to this podcast thank you guys for tuning in and thank you kiss asylum for featuring this on the number one fan page uh for all kiss fans uh worldwide i've got you know little john here from fat kiss who's literally should be you know he's like the ulysses s grant of chicago the kiss army is there anything you want to say uh uh, in terms of positive energy to us all here. There's only one thing I can say and think of that comes to mind that, you know, will, people should just you know, live by on a day-to-day basis. And that is? Rock and roll all night and party every day! Rocker, I love you, man. I'll let you know when this is done. Later.